Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Lion Podcast and welcome to a segment that we're calling Fireside Theology. Simple messages from the heart to help you in your discipleship and your walking in the way of Jesus. Thanks for joining us and we hope that this is a blessing. We don't want to be like Jesus. That's just the reality. One of the biggest problems of Christianity today is that we look at Jesus and we don't actually want to be like him. We like what he does for us. We like how he saves us, but we don't want him to tell us or teach us or model for us how to actually live. In fact, it's quite often quite often the case that we're actually going to look at the disciples and say, now this is someone I can relate to. The way of Peter will always be more attractive to the flesh than the way of Jesus. We live in this culture that despises any sign of weakness. And in that culture, when we have to deal with enemies, cutting our enemy down feels much more productive than trying to be a part of the healing process for our enemy. We see this play out the night that Jesus was arrested. Now, I'll give Peter this. Peter's heart was totally in the right place. In the garden, Jesus was betrayed and surrounded by enemies. And Peter, he's ever the loyal disciple. He loves Jesus. Peter believes he needs to save Jesus. So Peter attacks a man and chops off his ear. And yet we see that this display of aggression breaks the heart of Christ. Jesus isn't cheering on Peter's violence. No, Jesus tells Peter, put your sword away. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Then Jesus tends to the wound of the very man Peter had attacked, a man who was on the side of Jesus's enemies. And this is the interesting distinction we see, where Peter lashes out violently in defense of Jesus The Savior's attention was on healing an enemy, an enemy who one of Jesus' own followers had attacked. I think this story is rich, and it speaks so much to things that we're experiencing in this day and age. You see, the way of Peter is defensive violence. It's viewing an enemy as dangerous, hostile. And so fight or flight kicks in, And it's this idea of, you know, kill or be killed, attack or be attacked. We have to strike first, right? And I'm seeing this spirit of Peter very often in people today. In this age of deconstruction and what we call exvangelicalism, we are seeing really a hostility towards the Christian church like never before, at least in my lifetime. And sadly, many former followers of Christ are now loudly and boldly declaring themselves to be enemies of Christianity, which is not fun for any of us who are still in the faith at all. It hurts. It feels like a threat. It feels dangerous. And so our response to this hostility often is the way of Peter. Like Peter, we want to defend Jesus and our faith and our way of life. So we lash out with our words. I don't know many people who are lashing out with swords these days. But we lash out with our words. How do we do this? We're sarcastic, cutting, bitter, jaded, cynical. We mock those we disagree with. 
We take up our keyboards, our digital swords, and we wage war in the comment sections. And we often judge people so quickly. All it takes is one wrong belief and we instantly know they are an enemy who must be shut down swiftly. We even go so far as to fight fire with fire. We respond to their memes and posts with our own memes and posts, mocking them for being so wrong. And then we pat ourselves on the back for our righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that I am not like them. As the Pharisee once said in Luke 18, 9 through 14, in regards to the tax collector, thank you, Lord, that I am not like him. The thing that blows me away about this way of Peter is it presumes that Jesus needs us to save him. In the garden, Peter pulls out his sword because he believes that he has to save Jesus. We fall into this same trap. We believe that Jesus needs us to save him, as if his mission wasn't to save the lost, but rather to save our offended egos. This is where the way of Jesus is different, where the way of Peter is defensive violence. The way of Jesus is enemy love. Now, let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that every person who's publicly criticizing our faith is a spotless lamb that needs to be coddled. No, the reality is we're in a moment where there are enemies of the faith around every corner, daggers in hand, waiting to strike. Yes, in this moment of deconstruction and doubt, there are many lost sheep, but among those lost sheep, there are certainly wolves, enemies. I'm talking about those who hate God and hate Jesus and have long hated God and hated Jesus and are capitalizing on this moment to lead as many lost sheep away from the fold of God. What do we call people like that? Those who want to destroy the faith, those who want to lead people away from Christ, and ultimately, though they don't realize it, to lead people to hell. We would call those people enemies. And what do we do with enemies? Well, the world would say we should destroy our enemies. Jesus, however, declares that we must love them. We serve a master who declared enemy love to be a way of life. A very tough command from Jesus, but one that he has complete authority to give because he didn't just say it, he lived it. While we were his enemies, he hung and bled and died a brutal death for us, purely out of love. Scandalous, offensive, radical love. Now, the truth is that from his place hanging on that cross, he could have called down fire from heaven to devour his enemies, and he would have been completely justified in doing so. It certainly would make for a great movie scene. We'd probably cheer. There's something in us that thirsts for vengeance and loves seeing villains get their comeuppance. However, we so easily forget two very important things. One, Jesus never tried to use violence to destroy his enemies. And two, we ourselves are the villains that Jesus died for. Not just the Roman soldiers or the Jewish religious leaders. No, it was our sins that drove the nails into the hands of Christ. A wish for Jesus to destroy his enemies is a wish for Jesus to destroy us. Thank God we are not Jesus. Thank God that we are on the path to becoming more like Jesus. Our Savior King 
is the strongest, most courageous, most incredible leader we could ever hope for. He modeled gentleness and compassion in the face of hostility and hate. When the time came for him to die on the cross, he looked down at his enemies and said, Father, forgive them. That's not weakness in the face of adversity. That's strength unlike any the world has ever seen. Jesus, our master and leader, calls us to this hard and courageous path of enemy love. This is the way. But the way of the peacemaker is a hard road. Enemy love and peacemaking is an aspect of our call as Christians that I'm very passionate about. I believe it should be a central aspect of our identity. The strange reality is that in my time trying to practice these aspects of Christ following, I've experienced great opposition, not from unbelievers, but from Christians. This isn't my unique experience. My friends and mentors who also take up the call to peacemaking and enemy love have experienced the same opposition. Sadly, many Christians tend to fall into the pattern of Peter rather than Christ. One of the biggest criticisms I've heard of the peacemaker is that they show too much grace and patience to people in rebellion against God. This has always baffled me because personally, I'm nowhere near as patient as Jesus. I wouldn't hang on a cross for my enemies. My flesh wants to criticize and lash out, and I often fall victim to that very mentality. But Jesus is different. No one has more patience, kindness, grace, and long-suffering for sinners than Christ. His grace levels are off the charts. Sometimes I feel that Jesus is the teacher in scripture that we pay the least amount of attention to. We want Jesus to save our souls, but not to teach us how to live. Love your enemy is probably the most radical command and therefore the most ignored, most rationalized, and most explained away. We can think of a million reasons why Jesus didn't really mean what he said. That night in the garden, Peter knew Jesus' teachings on enemy love. He was there when they were first preached. But to Peter in that moment, enemy love was not rational. It was not pragmatic. In Peter's mind, enemy love was not the solution. The only logical, rational solution for Peter was the sword, violence. Yet again, Jesus immediately corrects Peter. Peter, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Some treat Jesus' words to Peter in that moment like they have as much power as a fortune cookie fortune. They say, what a nice idealistic statement, but that's not how the real world works. So often we Christians forget that Jesus calls us to be not of this world. Of course the methods of Jesus makes no sense in this world. His kingdom is an upside down kingdom. He's teaching us a new way to be human. Jesus has this wild belief that he can save and heal his enemies. The call to Christianity is not merely a call to believe Jesus can save us personally, but that he can save our enemies as well and wants to involve us in the process. This is why we must choose the hard path of enemy love. This problem of exvangelicalism, which is former Christians boldly and publicly leaving the faith, often aggressively criticizing Christianity in the public square. It's having a moment right now. And for those of us still in the faith, it feels horrible to watch an experience, to watch people that once walked with Christ turn away from him. It feels like Judas. It feels like a betrayal, especially since many who take this path actually position themselves as proud enemies of Christianity. 
And again, this posture makes it very easy for us to go on the defensive. We lash out like Peter, keyboard warriors for Jesus. However, we can easily do this without realizing that our hostility can be what pushes a doubter or deconstructor over the edge. Many in this camp are lost sheep. Yes, we've talked about wolves, but many in this camp are lost sheep, people who have been deeply wounded by bad church experiences or abusive leadership. They're hanging on to their faith by a thread. And so when we come along and treat them with arrogance, cruelty, or indifference, it just confirms in their mind what they've already started to believe. Christians are not the community of love that they claim to be. Christians don't care about me. Christians just want to attack me. Christians see my doubt as a threat. And then the struggling sheep fall prey to the wolves who want nothing more than to destroy every last shred of faith in Jesus that the poor lost sheep have. In our hostility and carelessness, we can unwittingly aid someone on their path of deconversion. The great irony is that as Christians, though we may feel we are doing right by attacking enemies of the faith, in doing so, we are abandoning the actual assignment we've been given by our king. Go and make disciples. If we want to fight, let us fight to rescue the lost. If we want to wage war, let us wage war against all religious hypocrisy, all self-righteousness, and all apathy or indifference to the call to love our enemies. Let us work tirelessly to remove any obstacle in the way of someone coming to Christ. This is the way of Jesus, the wounded healer. Imagine knowing that you are about to brutally die on a cross, yet taking the time to heal the wound of an enemy. That's the lion-hearted master that we serve. He's not safe, but he's good. In my younger days as a Christian, I know that I wounded many in my desire to win debates and to be seen as right at all costs. I'm so thankful that Jesus can heal the ears of people that I have attacked while trying to defend him. I believe Jesus isn't calling us to be culture warriors, but culture medics, Hacksaw Ridge style. If you don't get the reference, look it up. To paraphrase Paul, people aren't the enemy. They are victims of the true enemy. Ephesians 6.12 The truth is, if any of my ex-evangelical friends are listening to this podcast, they're probably rolling their eyes, offended that I would say that they are in bondage to an enemy that they don't actually believe in. But here's the thing. The gospel is actually offensive enough that we don't need to work extra hard to offend people with our Christian language. In fact, we offend because we don't work hard. We take the easy path. We mimic the battle patterns of the culture instead of imitating Christ. Jesus is calling us to something harder and more courageous. Enemy love. Going the extra mile. Never compromising the truth we believe, but bending over backwards to show grace to those who don't yet believe it or deserve it. Why? Because we didn't deserve grace either. Yet Jesus died for us. Choose the hard path of enemy love. Just because the church has radical enemies doesn't mean the church isn't called to radical enemy love. In fact, it is the existence of radical enemies of the church in this cultural moment that sets the stage for us to live out the commands of Jesus in ways that many of us have never even had the opportunity to have in our lifetime. We have an opportunity to radically love in this moment. Don't miss it. The next time you feel inspired to lash out like Peter, stop, pray, and ask yourself, Lord, is it possible for you to use me as an instrument of healing? Will you use me to help heal the ear of the wounded 
so that they can hear your voice once again.